Okay, this is the Immigrant Hustle Podcast. I am your host, B-Magic. I got my brother, Noise, with me. Yes, yes. And today, I'm very excited about today's show. You know, typically, the guests that we have are people that are, you know, they've been involved in their careers for a number of years. They're a little bit further along as far as, you know, their their development. And, like, they're probably late 20s, early 30s, late 30s. But today, we've got two gentlemen that are super dope at what they do, and they're still very, very young at what they do. So I'm excited to have them on. Two guys that I've worked with very many times and do amazing work. Uh, give it up for Amrit and Apol from Revive Films. Yo, 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 what's up? Okay, okay. I get, I get a little shy when people talk like, they, you know, I get a little bit shy when people start saying, yo. I'm the up and coming or something like you. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not up and coming, man. You're here. Yeah, even even someone commented on one of my Insta posts as go. I was like, nah, man. <laughs> no, you guys are well on your way, but no, definitely young in age and the shit that you guys are pulling off at your age. It, it it's like uh, it's very nice to see because it's like. For us, I remember being that age and not even knowing what the fuck is going on, right? And to see somebody uh, pretty much well on their way at that age, is it's refreshing to see. So, you know, you guys should definitely soak that in. Appreciate yeah. it. It's an interesting take, man, because sometimes I reflect and I'm like, yo, I'm getting old, man. <laughs> like, I feel like, I should have started even earlier. I wish I did that, but... Uh... Yeah, I mean, it's like, I'm 25, and Amrith, what, you're like 23? 24? I don't even know my own. Uh, 24. Yo, it's my Kobe <laughs> year, bro. For sure. Oh, yeah. This isn't his Kobe year. Yeah, bro, he drafted in my birth year, and he died when I turned 24. Mm. Uh, Damn, man. Uh, uh, Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> way, way to make me sad at the I start know, of right? this podcast. <laughs> I know. Like, I, God I, damn it, man. I got right, to man. make it so <laughs> dark so quick. But yeah, man, like uh, mid twenties. I don't know. It's uh, yeah. I guess so. We're we're young. I but sometimes I think I'm like, yo, if you started, if I started like seventeen, eighteen, if I was twenty five now, like, I'd be crazy, man. I'd be ridiculous. I'm making some major gonda right now. <laughs> <laughs> Every day is a learning process, man. It is what yeah, it is. For sure. Well, we're gonna get into your guys' story and and see where it all started. So, noise. Where should we start? Uh, actually, before we kind of dive into our, our you know regular show format, I just wanted to, to get an understanding of how you guys are adapting to everything with the pandemic. Like with your art and with your video and your photography, I know you guys are out in the city in Brampton, Mississauga, Toronto, just going from place to place, shooting, filming. But now that things are kind of on lockdown, I guess, how have you adapted to that? Oh, man, like <clears throat> I remember like this year was pretty crazy when it came to like, travel and all that. So traveling like from city to city, just working and stuff. And then I remember I was in LA before like this whole lockdown started and like just coming back from LA and then just life just stopping like immediately just because of the lockdowns. It was an adjustment at first, I feel like. Um, it was a hard adjustment because like you go from like almost going like a hundred miles per hour and then you gotta just stop, right? So it was an adjustment. I feel like the first week was kind of hard, but you kind of just come to grasp reality and just be like, you know what? In this situation, you just gotta, you know, start working on yourself. So that's what I've been doing a lot, man. Just not work, not too, not too obsessed about what could have been, but more just like focusing on the moment and just, you know, doing the most we can day to day. 
Yeah, for me, it hasn't really changed. I'm still going to work. I'm still doing my typical day to day stuff. Uh, in terms of shooting, obviously, can't really shoot uh, clientele work or anything like that. But uh, when it comes to creative work, you just have to adapt to the situation and try to make it work and try to. Uh, so rather than like hanging out with people and, and shooting like that, um, just do solo shoots or something. So I try to stay in my room, try to shoot some creative stuff like that, work with lighting, try to practice. But uh, in terms of like big shoots, yeah, it's, that's kind of a, it's kind of not happening right now. But uh, I think soon everything, as everything starts opening, then slowly, slowly we'll, we'll get back to track, right? Dope. Yeah, I know before lockdown, Amrith, you were traveling quite a bit. I know you were in, uh, you were in Quebec, you were in BC. We linked up in Calgary earlier this year. You're working on a, a project called Uproar, which we're going to get to. But um, before we get to that stage, we want to take it back early to your early years. Um, so, you know, when did your families first come to Canada? Where did you guys migrate from? And, you know, uh, yeah, just what, what are the, the circumstances around that? Uh, so my family originally came here in the early mid 90s so one of my parents both came here around like 94 95 and uh they came straight from Punjab <clears throat> my mom's side of the family they were here so originally my mom came here first like through the hard way you know like hustling the bus so get on a boat all that kind of stuff and then slowly like, the family came over slowly um and then around like 95 is when my dad came with my mom and then I was born in 96 and then from there, that's what happened. We came straight to Brampton, you know, since Brampton, since day one. I think Malton too, maybe, right? I don't remember too much, right? That was like early days for our parents. Like they switched between like Malton and came to Brampton and all that. And um, been in Brampton since, man. And uh, yeah, man, from there, it's like I was born in 96. And then, uh, yeah, man. Punjab, yeah. out to Brampton straight. Hey, Brampton represent. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Paul, me, what about you? Yo, for me, uh, my dad left India in his 20s, like very early 20s, like 2021-ish, maybe even late teens. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, he went to the UK first. He studied, um, like got a diploma or something. And then eventually he went back to India, got married to my mom. Uh, Then my dad ended up going to Canada. um, And from Canada, he sponsored my mom. And then my mom came and they had me and my brother uh, I was born in 1994, my brother in 95. We lived in uh, North York um, for maybe like four or five years. And that was like a really great time. A lot of families living in the same uh, apartment building. We always used to have parties like every weekend. And then eventually we moved to Brampton, uh, west end of Brampton. And uh, ever since then, we've been in Brampton. Like we've moved from that house like once. So I'm like in a newer area right now. And, uh, yeah, man, just just chilling in Brampton since then and then went to school here and grew up here. And uh, I think that's a pretty typical story of a lot of uh, immigrants, right? So the typical immigrant story. Uh, you know, Brampton kind of has a reputation as a city where there's not a whole lot to do, which is why there's so many artists that come out of the city. Um, was it was it like that way for you guys or what was what were your early years like growing up here? Uh, for me, it's like, so obviously in the starting, uh, like what I can remember is obviously like the immigrant hustle, right? As you guys say, um, you know, parents were grinding it out. And then my grandparents actually came here to help raise me. I'm an only child. I grew up only a child, right? So my grandparents actually came over 
to help raise me while my parents kind of grinded it out and got settled. Um, <clears throat> kind of moving from like basement to basement and then eventually getting settled, getting a home and all that. I think early days, obviously very limited on what I could do just because it was harder for the family to afford. Like I've been on a huge hockey fan growing up as a kid, like a diehard and like always wanted to play hockey. Like I always wanted to play ice hockey and all that. Like the art stuff wasn't really there for me at a young age, but it was more like athletics. Right. So you know, always wanting to do that, but with the struggle of the family, all that, they're struggling to make ends meet and all that, which was crazy. So I think as time went, as this time, like as the family got, you know, kind of more settled, they kind of sacrificed and made those things happen for me, like put me into sports, put me into hockey, get to play that. I think also when it came to like the art scene, very influenced by my dad as well. Uh, not a lot of people know, but my dad was actually into the arts. Like he was a musician himself. So he sang, he did music stuff with a bunch of his friends, even the late Sony Pablo, very close friends with them. So they were like in this kind of this crew where they used to make a lot of music and all that, like the mid 2000s, early 2000s. So really being influenced by that as well. Always wanted to be a singer growing up. I was like, yo, I want to be a singer. Yo. Like especially looking at Sony, right? And seeing him sing, see my dad sing and all his other friends. So you know, always wanted to be in that. Then I started like playing tabla and stuff just with them, you know, being around that music and stuff. And then I think the video stuff came in when I was younger. Like, because like I always remember like going to like Best Buy with my dad and like always being in the camera section for some reason. And my dad will always take interest in the camera for some reason. He never shot, he never did anything, but just the interest. And like, I think that kind of just lead a seed in the beginning. And I'm like, yeah, Yo, you know, I'm gonna try it out. So we bought a camera and all that. I used to make like funny videos with my cousins and all that, like like the typical like funny videos, like just being dumb, whatever, with your friends or cousins. And that was kind of like the beginning of the art stuff. So just making the most of what we had in that moment, just having a camera, just playing around with it, or like any music thing, like a like an instrument or whatnot, just kind of slowly getting exposed to it. I think that was like the early on for me. Yeah, and then for me, uh after moving to Brampton, my parents, um, my dad was working a lot. Uh, he was working overtime every weekend, whereas my mom, and because of that, my mom was able to stay home and raise my brother and I. So by like four, I was going to um, like early kindergarten or whatever it's called. And also I would go to Gurmuth camp uh, at Glidden Gordora. There used to be a lot of like... Um, a lot of organizations there that would actually help children learn about Sikhi and, and just religion in general. So I was involved in that for a very long time, maybe for like 10 years. And through that, I got into Kirtan. Um, There's a few Kirtan teachers at Glidden Gordora at that time. Uh, two of them left. And then I uh, one teacher came and he was uh, Indian, like classically trained in Indian classical music. And I started learning from him for years and years, like maybe until... Uh, early like mid early 20s from like 10 years old I would uh, keep him as a teacher so I was involved in that and then on the side I would be a lot into gaming I think any kid was at that time like Call of Duty and and even some like online games so that was something I, I was involved in and playing outside with with the kids in my early days um, but yeah just just uh, growing up in that environment I think that was a lot of kids like were doing pretty much similar things that I was, but uh, my my mom tried to make sure that I was really grounded in 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 religion and even some some sports. I was in soccer for a while 
almost made it to the all-star team at one point and okay. also karate, also in karate so my mom really kept me involved in just uh like like these sports and and religion and she put me in speeches too so I just try to like gain any sort of set of set of skills that would help me out in the future um so and then also in terms of video editing i wasn't really involved in that in at a very young age uh, the only thing that i would do is that i would make videos on the games that i would play edit them on like windows movie maker and then post it on youtube and uh, i actually gained like a decent like following i mean it wasn't that big but like people would watch my videos and be like yo your video is cool right yeah. and then after that I stopped, um, stopped that aspect and just continued with playing games and getting into studies and stuff like that. It's, it's so funny. Like, um, like when you think of how many people, how many creatives have come from like immigrant families and now we're seeing communities where the creative arts isn't pushed, but they're becoming, we are becoming a thing now in the entertainment world. Right. And it's, it's, it's all based off when, when, when our parents had to be away working, you had to be creative in finding ways to entertain yourself, right? And that ultimately leads us to either finding something that we're passionate enough to take it to the next level or not, right? Or whether it just becomes a hobby or, or so, uh, something that's part of your life, right? But it, it, there's, there's something that correlates between those two things for me, I believe. Mm-hmm. Facts. I, I feel, so, like, feel the same. I feel like... Like for myself, I feel like with especially like our parents, like they they made the biggest sacrifice, right? Like they've made this serious sacrifice where they're not really at the same time, they're kinda living the dream now. Like for me, it's like my family's hundred percent. Like my parents are living the dream now. They have a family, they have a nice home, all that, right? But back then, like growing is like they couldn't do that. Like, especially at our age, like now that we're able to at our age, like they were grinding, man. They were grinding, so sacrificing that so that we have the opportunity to do it, right? So even during that time, like whatever we had the most of, like any tool or anything to work with, like, and also like for me, it's like seeing my parents or even my dad himself, like being in the arts and stuff, like it kind of inspires you in that moment. It's like, yo, like, you know, the arts and all is cool because your parents are doing this. It's like, you know what? Like, yo, I might, like, I might be able to do this too. And like, just seeing that from an early standpoint, just making the most of what you have, especially seeing your parents make the most of their time, right? At the same time, they're grinding, right? They're hustling to get, to make something of themselves in Canada and just give the most to their family. But at the same time, even the most they can do is find a couple of hours and just work on their craft. Like that's a lot because it shows you a lot. It teaches you a lot in those early moments that, you know what, like this art thing could actually be a thing or just do it for fun. Right. Because there is a lot of talent and like, especially in our communities, there's a lot of talent. Right. And again, like, because we aren't as represented in the mainstream, but we are getting up there now. Right? It just shows you the potential that we have. Like, give it like 20 more years, and like, how many Punjabis will be in the mainstream? Like, it'll be crazy amounts, right? I believe so. Just because we do have a lot of talent, especially coming from previous generations. Yeah, I think I, I think we're right. fortunate too that uh, you know we we grew up in a Punjabi household where uh, arts has always been a very important thing. Starting up with uh, the old classical like singers like Kuldeep Manik and. And all these other guys and being influenced by that and even from a religious standpoint and Sikhi, I think uh, music has always been the most important aspect. Even uh, even our religious text, Guru Granth Sahib Ji, uh, is written in poetic measures well, through music. 
So music has has always been in our blood, like arts in general has always been in our blood. And I think it's good. This makes us fortunate that even that our parents even considered us putting into arts because there are communities out there that don't really have that. Um, and also the fact that, you know, they my dad was able to cover the financial aspects and my mom was able to put us into arts. I think that's a very fortunate thing, too, because some people, they don't have the financial means to be able to put people in art. So I think uh, we're very fortunate, very fortunate. Yeah. And like, Amrit, credit to your dad, too, because like you hear it a lot with people that are new to a country, like people that have just migrated where they don't have the time to put towards their craft. So they, they just leave it. And you'll hear stories. I have like uncles, aunties in my family. They'll be like, oh, you know, years ago when I was in my 20s, when I was in my teens, I used to make music or I used to sing or I used to paint. And they, they just kind of dropped it after they moved. Yeah. So uh, mad credit to your, to your dad for sticking with that. 100%. Yeah. Like, as much, like, that shows you so much as a kid too, right? Because you, like, you kind of have a sense of what's going on in your household. It's like you kind of know that, yo, you know, like, as you get older, you kind of understand, yo, your parents are hustling, like, like, obviously, as a kid, you may not understand uh, if you're not as financially well off or whatnot, right? Especially coming from, like, a new immigrant family. But still seeing your family. Like, I'll, like, sometimes, like, be chilling at home and my dad will, like, be talking to my grandma or my mom and just be like, yo, I'm just making this music for fun. Like, I just need something to do it, right? And just being able to put time away to do that, like, it shows you a lot. Like, it shows you that, you know what, like, nothing's really going to take away from that, right? Like, you'll make it work, Right. So, like, not make any excuses. Or even if you can get some time, like, it shows you how much passion, right, that they actually have. So it teaches you a lot, man, at a young age, for sure, man. Yeah, same goes with uh, the teacher who was teaching in the classical music. He did it for free. He never took a penny for, like, the 10, 20 years he's been teaching. And he was an immigrant, too, just landed in Canada not too long ago. So he also, at the same time, was driving a truck, trying to support his family, lived in a basement. And now he has like a full out house. He's living the dream also. But at the same time, he did put like a few hours every day to be able to pass on that art to the next generation. So same same point as Amrit. I think uh, very fortunate. You know, it's very, very interesting. I feel like uh, with the with maybe with with us slowly coming into the mainstream and 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 the creative arts kind of having a surge within our community now, I feel like. It, it is going to be more accepted and looked at like an actual career, right? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like in our community, we've had this thing like it's cool as long as it's a hobby, but, you know, like still go to school and, and get these certain jobs that we kind of our community is locked in on. Right. But now I feel like with people breaking through the pa- parents are, or even just us and our generation, we're going to understand more when we are parents that you need to harbor these talents. And if they are good enough to break through, then you should definitely invest in them and, and lead them on a, on a path that can go that way. So I feel like hopefully in the future, we'll see a lot more of it. I don't, and I don't see why, because hey, Paul, you, you touch on it perfectly. It, it is part of our culture and we forget that because with the immigration boom, a part of it did get lost. But like you said, like your Kirtan teacher and uh, and many other mentors that we've all had, it, it takes it takes a strong, resilient mind to still find time for the things they're passionate for while working, right? 
Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think uh, that that really comes from the the whole immigrant hustle is because our parents were always thinking from a survival standpoint. So they wanted us to take the most safe to, safest option, which is going to university, going to college, getting that diploma. And you know that if you get this certain uh, certain piece of paper, you're we're pretty much set for a decent salary, right? Whereas with the hobbies yeah. like the arts and stuff, it's very iffy. So. I understand from that from their point why they they try to push for for I guess like the typical careers that they want and why it got lost. But I think with us, since we're already settled and we're very comfortable and uh, we can take those risks, that with our generation, it's definitely going to start popping off and and it's going to be, start becoming acceptable. Parents, Punjabi parents, would be like, yeah, go for it. You know, you have a roof on like you have a roof you have a house you have food like try to go for it make it work if you really want to because it's, again it's still in our blood to to go for the arts right? i think like a part of it is like the game has changed so much when it comes to like, the arts and stuff like like it feels like the opportunities are like you have way more opportunities now to actually make a career out of it whereas like 10 years ago it wasn't the same or even like 15 20 years ago right like now you have like all these social media platforms like Instagram, YouTube, you have like TikTok and all these where you can actually make a living out of this, right? Like if you're, yeah. you go at it, if you actually stay consistent with it and you work on your craft, you can actually do something like, because like the art is now actually becoming like a field of its own, right? Like you can actually make a, like the same amount of money you would make at a nine to five, you could probably make through the arts if you actually work hard enough, right? It's like, yeah. it might take you a little bit longer, right to get to that point but it's very possible so i think even like parents are starting to see that parents are becoming more lenient now with their kids too because like i remember like 10 15 years ago like even like just seeing some of my older cousins or whatnot or or even like friends around me or friends cousins or whatever or like even seeing like people through my dad like that are singing and stuff a lot of the times parents would be like oh stop with this dream and just get to work or whatnot whatnot right because that's what they know right because they know that when they were going through the hustle and the grind like the arts wasn't going to pay their bills, right? The arts was like something like almost like a dream to them. And it was like not a reachable dream, right? Whereas now it's very, it's, it's such a different game. Like you can make something crazy on TikTok today and be the biggest thing tomorrow, right? So I think just the reachability for that has also become a lot more realistic and like people see that now. Yeah, the the amount of the amount of Punjabi parents you see in TikToks nowadays, yeah. it's obviously it's yeah, obviously yeah, yeah, changing, yeah. man. So <laughs> hey, they're they're trying to come back for their spot. They're like, yo, we let <laughs> we let you guys live for a few years, but now it's our time to <laughs> reclaim. Oh, bro, they're waiting for that time to shine, yo. They've been waiting. <laughs> but um, so as, as you guys got older, like into high school years, was there still that expectation to go to university or college? Uh, for me, it was like, so going into, so I started, like my dream, like I was, I'm, I've been a big dreamer since I was a kid, I feel like I still am, like uh, like a serious dreamer, and like, like as a kid, I, like I wasn't even playing ice hockey, I used to skate a lot, I played a lot of ball hockey, and I was like, yo, I want to be an NHL player, that was all I wanted to be, <laughs> be the first sort of Sangabunda in the NHL, yeah. I was like, yo, I gotta <laughs> go, right, so obviously families get, we, we became a lot more, um, financially well off and all that better right that i was able to start playing hockey around like middle schoolish so going to high school like i told my dad and my mom i've been like yo i'm going to the nhl like that's all that's on my mind right <laughs> that's all that's on my mind right? i'm like yo i'm going to the nhl i'm like i'm telling everybody i'm going to the nhl yo yo yo, yo. 
let me sign a yearbook one time, yo, I'm telling you, <laughs> right? so obviously our parents always want to take care of us. So my dad's like always encouraging me. He's like, yeah, you're going to go, right? He's gonna go. And always supportive. Like that's one thing I really appreciate from my parents. Like they never like, they never like destroyed my dreams by saying, oh, you're not going to go. They've always encouraged me. They've always encouraged me. Like, oh, yo, you, you can make it happen. Even though my parents had no idea how to work the hockey system and like, how do kids rank up higher? How do kids even go pro? They have no idea. Like the baby parents, right? They have no idea how to work the system. So it's almost like I kind of had to work it myself and learn, oh, yeah, how do I go to the next level? Like what teams do I have to try out for? But like still, like even though I was a long way from going anywhere close to NHL, always having this like dream, like I'm going to be there. And my parents always supporting it. I feel like once I went to high school, I uh, still kept on playing hockey. I was still adamant that I'm going to the NHL. Like, you know, I'm going. And then, like, I think grade, around grade 12, when, you like, it's time for you to kind of, like, start working harder and, like, start applying to schools is when it kind of started hitting them. Like, yo, it's probably not going to happen, right? Like, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Like, these kids my age now are getting drafted into, like, like the OHL leagues, which are the team, the leagues that were eventually, like, the development leagues where they eventually go to the NHL. I was nowhere close to going there. So I think... Around there, my parents were kind of like, what do you want to do, whatever. Obviously, your parents always want you to go to university. That's one thing, right? So you'll try to go to university and all that. They don't really understand, but they know, like, university. They get a degree, it'll be worth it. And uh, kind of just like, you know what, uh, I'll just kind of follow into my dad's footsteps. He, he's been running his own business. So I'm like, you know what, I'll go into business and do university. Um, that's where I started just doing that. I'm like, okay, I'll just do this, whatnot. And just did that. I feel like my parents didn't really put too much expectations on me going. They wanted me to go to uni, but they never, I feel like what, that's one thing I really appreciate. They never forced it. They're always like, yo, try to do this, but we're not going to force you to do it. We're going to let you do right. They always gave me that kind of freedom to just kind of choose what I want to do and just wanted my happiness to be before anything. Right. So that's right, what, uh, what kind of business did your dad run? My dad runs his own trucking company. So he does that. Um, shout out, shout out all my truckers. Hey. Bang, bang. And then, uh, so obviously seeing him running his own business and like kind of being a part of it too at a young age, like through high school, helping him out, going, you know, going to all these areas where my dad would be doing his business stuff. So you kind of see that you kind of like have that nature in you is that, like, you know, I can do it. And like you kind of have the support system to like help you build your own business. So kind of just going to, then I'm a, that's when I got into university, right? So did that all that thing um but yeah man that was kind of it from there grade 12 was when i was like i'll do school like i'll go to university and just kind of see what happens no no expectation for anything just kind of like let me get this degree done and get a job that was what high school was yeah man see it's, i think uh, my my uh like whole situation was pretty much similar with uh with amrit like, my parents didn't really pressure me into anything uh, but going to high school, I I didn't really know what I wanted to do, what I wanted to get into. I was still playing games and like you know just living the typical like teenage life. By grade eleven, like I took sciences and math, and I was thinking of like going to the typical like brown parent career that they want, like a doctor and engineer. So I was th considering those, and I'm like, yo, it's good money too. Like I'll be pretty set, right? Uh, so grade eleven kept doing math and sciences, grade 12 is the same thing. So I'm like, yo, what do I want to do? And then I liked the fact that I could put like the, the sciences and, and math and put them together to like make something useful. So I'm like, okay, I think engineering might be my call. 
So I applied to some engineering schools and got in, started ended up going to Ryerson. Um, and I think my dad, he like, he was cool with that decision too. And my dad and my mom, they're like, okay, cool. Mundane engineer, right? I mean, my dad's like, yo, you should become a doctor because it's recession proof. <laughs> I'm like, nah, I'd rather be an engineer. He's like, okay, cool, go for it. So, I mean, like, I pretty much chose a route that my parents didn't really have an issue with. And even if I went the arts route, would my parents make an issue? Maybe. Like, they maybe might speak up about it. Like, I think my parent, my dad isn't, like, so big on the arts because it's, like, unsafe. It's very risk adverse. I mean, it's very risky. But, uh, yeah, man, I, just, I took the safest option. So, no, I didn't get any backlash. And I became an engineer and, like, I'm still working in the engineering field as a full-time job. Yeah, so when did you two first meet and start working together? Um, I think it's been like, what, maybe two years now? So, yeah. Uh, uh, this is when I, so I, when we go back, it's like, I started Revive and all that, started the company and all that. It was just me at the moment, all, like just me creating it, just starting up and all that. And I think it was like two years in and then I just kind of met Paul briefly at like Sick Heritage Month. And uh, we just had like a brief interaction or whatnot. And then uh, I'm pretty sure Epo would probably tell the story, but I'm not the greatest at telling stories. <laughs> 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 I remember, yeah, I met him briefly. And then uh, then he contacted me a few months later saying, yo, I'd like to work with you guys and whatnot. And I'm like, yo. Yeah, right. so actually, even, even before yeah. meeting, so when, when you started up the company by yourself, you were primarily doing weddings, right? Yeah, so I think so after high school uh going to university now i'm in a, i'm at ryerson as well doing business and i didn't really know what i was going to do i was just kind of like okay i'm just going to go free flowing let's see what happens whatever not going to really stress myself out about this never had a summer job i was always like reluctant to work i was always like yo i'm not gonna work like i'm like yo, if i have the luxury not to do it right now and my parents are taking care of shit i'm like yo why should i do this right? so i'm like yo always this mentality for some reason and then I think, uh, like, I think by uh, going to university, I had them until I never had a job going to high school either. They like, never worked. I think I worked a couple of days with my cousins, like, at a moving company. And I'm like, yo, fuck this, right? I'm like, yo, mm-hmm. you got to make me lift me out of shit, right? So, like, yo, moving is messed. And then Bro, think, moving is the worst. Oh, <laughs> the Bro, worst. 13-hour shift sometimes. And they, because they, they look at my size and they're like, yo, Six foot three. <laughs> 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 yeah, they're like, I'm like, yo, right? I was getting right? So I'm like, yo, screw this. Three days later, I remember I only got paid like maybe like a hundred bucks for the day. And like, I'm so like, the day before, I bought safety shoes that cost me 150. <laughs> so, well, it cost me 50 bucks, right? That's <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like, yo, this ain't for me. Like, I'll figure it out. Like, there's no rush for me to like get a job or not. I think that's when my dad was kind of like, yo, like, do something, right? Like, do something. And that's when I started. Uh, that's when he had a link with like uh, EVP Studios, so, like Bob Desan and those guys. OG. Yeah. And then uh, that's when he's like, yo, he talked with them. He's like, yo, mera munda video karda. No, I don't. I do not do video, right? <laughs> and he's like, yo, he karda. He's like, okay, yo, send him over. That's when I met like the EVP guys. From there, just kind of started working. I'm like, yo, I'm down. Because I, I kind of knew how to edit. Because, like, when I was a kid, I used to edit my uh, videos for my, uh, like, with, the, with my cousins and stuff, like, funny videos we'll make. And then, like, even in high school, I took, like, Comtech. 
like the class where you make videos. So I made like dumb videos with my friends like during class. Like we'll make some jokes as videos. So kind of had a little bit of experience, started doing that. Then the wedding stuff happened. Like then I started shooting. Like I was not a good shooter. Like I didn't know how to work a camera. Like I had no idea like what this thing was. So I just like went through a lot of um, ups and downs in my first year shooting, did not know what I was doing. But uh, eventually, like a few years in, like during uni, started doing this more and more, getting better at it, better at it. I think at a point was uh, when me and my friend Harry, known as Visionary on Instagram and stuff, um, me and him used to edit together. And I'll be like, yo, bro, we should like make videos, right? Like just do them, right? And then we started making videos together. We have, a, we have like a whole YouTube channel. We made funny videos and stuff. That's when I was like, yo, like after that short time after that, I was like, I think I could do this like full time, but I don't want to do like weddings. Like I'll do weddings to like kind of just get by and like make money and all that, but and like practice. But like, I think I could do more because like I always had like a big imagination. I'm like, yo, I think I could create like creative videos and why not? Right? Like why not do that? So that's when I started up the company. I was like, yo, I'm gonna start my own business and all that. And then um, yeah, from there started started out the business started doing smaller gigs and just slowly slowly getting to bigger gigs and get bigger gigs bigger jobs and then that's when i met apol like maybe like like i don't know exactly but maybe like two years into creating the brand revive films and then that's when i met apol at sick heritage month briefly and uh i don't exactly remember what we talked about apol probably remembers but apol yeah, when did you uh get started uh with videography and stuff like that like, the only videos I edited was the ones where I would game, I would record it on screen, and then I would just edit, make a short compilation, and that was it. What, so what were you that. using to edit at that point? Like, Windows Movie Maker. That okay, was was like okay. The, but, the real OGs know movies. Yeah. <laughs> Windows Movie Maker, yeah. 100%. It was pretty simple. It got the, it got the work done. But uh, beyond that, like, so I had some editing skills because of that, because I probably made like five, six, seven videos. Um, but then eventually I knew, like, while I was going through school, like in my third year, I'm like, yo, man, I hate this shit. Like, this is, I freaking hate going to school, hate studying, doing all this stuff. Um, so by the fourth year, I started doing security um, while I was in school. Um, and... Uh, and I just use that just to pay off some of my bills. So while I was doing security, I had a lot of free time on my hand, just pondering. I'm like, yo, what do I want to do after I graduate, right? Do I want to go full-time in this field? Do I have some hobbies that I want to take a part in? So it's going through the internet, um, looking through, just just deeping dive, like going into myself and seeing, yo, what do I want to do? So I looked into some video stuff. I'm like, yo, maybe I want to go into video. And I was just, I'm like, okay, I need someone to help me out and like teach me and be my mentor. This is one of the best ways in order to grab a skill very quick. So I was started looking into some locals and I saw AV, I started looking at wedding uh, companies in the area in Toronto and Brampton and AVB Studios was one of them. Um, and I saw on their website, there was like three guys that were on that website at that time and Amrit was one of them. And I kind of stalked Amrit through the internet and I found out that he had his <laughs> he had his own page for revive films. Um I saw some of his videos. One video that he made with his grandpa. It was just a simple video um where he, he was just planting um like veggies in the backyard and Amrit made a really creative video about that. And I was like, yo, that's sick. Like I want to make videos like this. 
So uh, I knew who he was. And then I went to Sikh Heritage Month and I saw him there. I'm like, yo, that's the guy. Love at first sight. Huh? Love at first sight, yo. Love at first sight. <laughs> I got hard eyes. I was like, <laughs> and, then, and then I come up to him. I'm like, yo, it's uh, my name is Amrit Paul. Um, I've seen your videos and stuff. And, you know, I really want to, like, uh, be be a part of what you do. And, uh, you know, I want you to, like, teach me whatever you know. And he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, I don't have any, like, contact information. And Jyoti was there. And Jyoti, I'm like, yo, do you have a card? And Jyoti's like, yeah, I have a card. I have a card, right? So Jyoti had, like, a whole stack of, like, revived film cards. And she gave me the card. And this was April. So I still had a few months until school was done. Or actually, school was done around that time. And I was still doing security. So I eventually had the card, finished my studies, went through the exams, and a month into after school, I was still doing security, sat down, and I'm like, hey, yo, let me hit this guy up, right? And I hit him up, I'm like, hey, man, you know, it's me, uh, Amrit Paul from uh, Sikh Heritage Month, just wanted to, you know, hit you up and uh, see, like, what's up. And then Amrit asked for a short edit, he's like, you know, let's see what you're about. I'm like, are you cool? Like, I'll, I'll I'll put something together and show you. So while I used to go to security, I was in downtown Toronto by Air Canada. I'm like, okay, let me just bring my camera, which is like a Nikon D5300. And I'm just shooting stuff in Toronto, like me going on the bus, the CN Tower, the Air Canada Centre, while I'm on top of a, like this this uh, this condo building. Shot, put something together, gave it to Amrit, and he's like, all right, dope. And then we met up, we talked, and I found out that, you know, his goals really aligned with with what I wanted to do with video and what I, like, after contemplating, I'm like, yo, what do I want to do? His goals basically aligned with the same thing as me. I'm like, okay, dope. This is going to be a a good partnership, right? A good, a good opportunity for me to, you know, come in and learn and do what I, I'm actually might be passionate about. It's jokes because yo, that video is so trash, but I don't know where it's from. <laughs> <laughs> I saw something, I was like, yo, this video is like, decent, like, this guy knows how to cook. <laughs> yeah. This guy's you know, like, me, yeah. Yo, I gotta, I got, I like, I look back at it, I actually looked at it like three, three weeks ago, and it was not bad for like a beginner video, honestly. Like, I did some cool shit, like, for someone who barely knew how to use a camera, it was pretty dope. But and, uh, as per your standard, it was probably like, yo, shit. You know, a lot of the time is energy is very important, right? Yeah. Like it, it's one of the things that, that made the moving cool partnership, right? <laughs> like me and me and noise, we, we were at to, two different parts of our life, two different, like, you know, like even our music journey was was started differently and this and that but it's all about the that that passion and the that hunger that you see in somebody else that that you know that's within you you as well right and somebody there's something that aligns there where you're like oh shit like yo this guy's trying to get to it like i'm trying to get to it and they're not they're not going to let nothing no background noise like filter them out right so there's there's something in the universe that just tells you to 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 go along with this person. I don't know what it is, man. Honestly, man. I feel like I'm a very big believer in like energy. And like it's weird because I can't I can't really describe it, right? It's like yeah. you know, this energy you feel, right? And like, yeah, man, it's like 
you feel this kind of energy with someone and you're like, yeah, you know what? There's something bigger here than just what we're seeing, right? So like even like when Apol sent that video, it's not the greatest, but like you still see some potential in it, right? You still see, you know, this guy actually did it. The first thing is this guy actually made a video and sent it. That shows you a lot already, right? So it's like, yo, you know, from there and just meeting each other and just vibing off each other's energy, man. It's very big, man, very key. Well, you guys have you guys have been in the industry, so you know how it is. You're gonna meet so many dickish people, right? So then, when you see somebody that is on the same wavelength as you, as you, it's it's refreshing. But it the longer you kind of grow within an industry, you realize, okay, I'd rather just be around these people than to play the games amongst other people, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like the goal is ultimately to to build a circle where you're on the wavelength with everybody around you, right? And that's like yeah. the hardest part, man. I feel like like just finding those right people, man. Because like I struggled with that, man. Like like early on, like especially like I'm like extreme introvert. I like I, I was like very shy. Kid. I still am, but like I was very shy. Like I didn't have like the courage to even like talk to people. Like even like I, like even if I like saw like anyone, like I'll see anyone in public, I would not talk to you. Like I was just so shy. So like even having that, it's like you know, like it was hard to kind of like vibe with people, but like. Eventually, once you start getting these people coming into your life, you start noticing, man. It's like, you know what? This stuff, it, it's going to take you so much further than anything else when everybody's on the same wavelength, man. Yeah, I think it just happens. Like, it's just, I don't know what it is. The universe just meets, puts two people together, and then you vibe off each other's energies, and you see what they're about, and it happens. And sometimes, like, within the industry, you know what kind of people there are. There are some people who are trying to chase, like, fame and... And they're trying to chase numbers, whereas some people are actually trying to ch- chase like change in the world or trying to change something uh, that's really bigger than that. So, and you kind of see what where people stand at that, and then you start vibing, and it automatically just becomes something that's, that's much more bigger. And I think we've we made a lot of friends even after like Amrit and I uh, got together. We've made so many friends like you guys um, that are on the same wavelength, and we've gotten so much closer just from a project. Like, it wasn't just we did a project and we ended it off there. Like, we, we became even closer after that. Yeah, man. I, even, like, for one example, is like, yo, even, like, the Lo-Fi Glory project, bro. Like, like as much fun we had making those visuals and, like, just being a part of that project, is like, yo, when I look back at it, I'm like, yo, that project is so significant when it comes to, like, the relationships we did 100%. make. Yeah. Like, like, I barely knew Dusty. <laughs> I didn't even know Dusty at the sickness shoot. Like, <laughs> And now we're like, and, one of the and he had the mask on too. Like even yeah, more serious, right? <laughs> he didn't. He didn't even want you to know who the fuck he was at yeah, the show, bro. He looked at us like, "Yo, you guys are probably trash, right?" So I'm like, "Yo, <laughs> like, out they knew, right?" And then, yo, it's kind of come like boys now. Look, like yo, we're like boys, and it's like yo, we went on trips together, we have a blast, and so it's like yo, it's crazy, man. Like certain events in life happen, and like you look at it, it's like it's so much greater than the project. Like outside of that, you make beautiful relationships yeah i just want to touch on one thing before we get into the 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 you know the sickness shoot and lo-fi glory because i want i want to definitely take my time on that but i remember first meeting you uh with chef la tigre and poon can you just can you just talk about that relationship a little bit because those are two important people in, in in my life your life and they are really fucking dope people so can you just uh dive into that a little bit definitely uh so poon Man, like one of like the most supportive people in my life. So like you know like Definitely. I'm not like this crazy bro. Like I know Poon since time. Like he, he's I I jokingly call him my mom 
right? <laughs> you raised me. I'm like, yo, you raised me, bro. Like in a sense, right? It was like, so going back to now, rewinding to my hockey days, I used to play ball hockey with my cousins. And like, he was my coach for ball hockey. Yeah. I'm in grade seven, grade eight. He's my coach. He's in his like mid twenties or what? Like, well, however old he is, he's my coach. And I, he knows me. And like, I, then I was like, kind of, I felt like I was like Kobe then, right? I was like talking <laughs> that shit. I was like, yo, bro, I'm the best goalie. Because I was a goalie uh, thing in hockey. So I was like, yo, I'm the best. I'm telling him, like, the first day we met, I remember, I'm telling him, I'm like, yo, I'm going to win you a championship, bro. I'm the best. Like, I was just really full of myself. And I was like, yo. <laughs> and I remember just going through that relationship. And like, we stopped talking for a bit. Uh, just because, like, obviously, we stopped playing, I stopped playing the league with uh, that he was in. Then, like, after a while, like, we're still Facebook friends. And, like, that's when he was like, yo, uh, Amrit, what are you saying? I know you're doing video stuff now, right? Because that's when I started video stuff. And he started seeing what I was doing. And I'm like, yo, yeah, let's meet up and let's talk. And that's when we – then I met uh, Chef Latigra, man, the homie. And then um, that's when they had this idea to do this food show, right? So they wanted to do this food show. And this is, like, early on. Like, uh, I'm like, yo, I'm down. Like, might as well do some creative work. And that took on a whole journey of its own, man. It was like, yo – uh, then me and uh, Cheech became close friends, right? And like Poon, and then we started working on that food project, uh, Tiger Bites, and like um, it was crazy, man. We started doing like restaurant after restaurant, just making movies for each restaurant, man. That was crazy times. And like again, like during that time, it was so much fun. And then I know we did an episode with you, man. That was crazy. Yo, man, I ate so much that day for free. And <laughs> I was like, this is the greatest idea ever, man. I'm like, yo, honestly, after that day, I'm like, yo, how can I make a fucking food show? Because, yo, bro, th- how much do we eat that day? You were there. Bro, Fuck, no. we went to town. A lot, man. Because, like, whenever we do these shoo- uh, shoots, like, we'll talk to a restaurant. Like, yo, we're going to showcase a lot of food, right? So, like, we'll get, like, maybe, like, five, six, seven, like, different items off the menu like they're not like just appetizers like they're full of meals bro uh, it was like yo like man it was crazy because every time like i'll like like the food will have this thing on me like when the food came i was just like yo bro i gotta shoot quickly eat bro i'm like yo i just want to eat i remember like when i get the last shot i wouldn't even think twice oh did i get a good shot i'll, I'll start eating like i won't yeah. even, i'll just start eating like, it was a good time though man uh, eat a lot of food sure. bro yeah for yeah. sure uh, noise, you want to set up the sickness, man? How how did how did the sickness come alight? Well, I know how the song ended up, but when did you decide, yo, I'm a I'm a reach out to revive and and get them to work on these visuals? Yeah, so the the Lo-Fi Glory album, as you know, like the creation of it started years back, and as we were creating songs, we were always looking for someone that would be able to shoot visuals that would kind of match the vibe of the music and you know we worked with or we had interviews with like it was pretty much like an interview process like hiring for a job essentially like we spoke to so many different people about you know what what can they do or what idea would they have like we would play them a piece of a song and be like this is what we have do you feel like you can execute this or we would present an idea and we see how they could build upon that idea or put a spin on it and i think like we had interviews with a lot of different people like uh, our homie nav would reach out to people that he knew uh me and dusty would contact different folks and through uh through tiger bites actually because we had uh latigra on season one of the podcast he was the one that referred us to you guys and so then yeah when we when we met with you guys like 
you know, like you said, like you were alluding to earlier, like it's just good energy. And it's like it's hard to really, you know, put it in words or like really explain it in tangible in a tangible sense. But like the, the work that we've seen you guys do and the the enthusiasm you guys had and the ideas you were pitching and just the willingness to like want to try to execute something. And that was one thing that we were kind of uh, running into a wall against was like we had an idea, but we weren't sure how to execute it. And we would talk to different video guys and they would say like, you know, they weren't willing to like experiment with it. It was just kind of like, well, I don't know how to do it. So we'll just try something else. But with you guys, it was like we could throw an idea out there no matter how outlandish it was. And you guys would like find a way to execute it. It might not have been like 100% what we were talking about, but it was still it still came out dope in its own way. Mm-hmm. Like so when, when we shot the sickness, like, for example, one one idea that like always sticks in my head and my favorite shot from the video is uh, when we're in the parking tower. Yeah. And we have like different guys on different levels. And I don't even know how you guys pulled that shot off. But <laughs> nuts, again, that's nuts. that's that's like those ideas that I'm talking about, where it's like we came up with something and you guys were like, all right, let's just try it. And I think just like that willingness and that, you know, that that sense of adventure to be like, all right, let's try it. Like, we don't know what we're doing, but we're just going to try to experiment and have fun with it. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the energy that we were that we were looking for. And that was like what you guys brought for the entire you know, lifespan of the Lo-Fi Glory album, whether it was like music videos, whether it was behind the scenes stuff, whether it was like live performance footage, there was just a, a sense of like spontaneity and creativity. And we knew that the end quality was going to be good because like the energy was right. And like, like you were saying, like the friendship was there too. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to touch on that. Like, I remember those days of us just talking to a bunch of different videographers and like, yeah. We, we like we we always knew like yeah we don't we don't mind spending money and and putting budgets behind behind videos and this and that but it always felt like every time we met with a videographer they're like so what's your vision right and it's like okay like like yeah we have certain ideas but it's it's ultimately by hearing the song I hope that it inspires you to even have an idea before you even have to ask me. You know, so it's like we were kind of always stuck in this limbo where we, we'd we always kind of come out of either meetings or even after seeing videos and just being like, we we never felt like people gave a fuck about the project as much as we did. Mm-hmm. So then honestly, before we had met you guys, we were in the midst of trying to figure out ways to shoot videos ourselves because oh. we're like, yo, nobody's going to be able to execute the vision we have because we're like, A, we're trying to be creative. And and B, we're trying to do some shit that nobody's doing, right? Like, yo, like we're we're trying to we're trying to elevate it. We're not we're not trying to do videos in front of a fucking fancy car no more. Like, you mm. know, like so so the it's funny that we went through that process and then and then lo and behold, here comes revive films. And it just like there's something about the universe connecting people at the right fucking time. So what uh, revive? How was it for you guys? What was your end meeting us? I remember, bro. We go way back, bro. But they, going back to like the shy kid in me, bro. I was at the I was at the shoot for uh, even the one that uh, I forgot the song's name, man. The one that you guys did the prom shoot. Oh yeah, yeah. I was there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. There <laughs> <laughs> and like only Noah knows I was there. Nobody else knew I was there. <laughs> I didn't know who you were at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I can watch that video and you'll see me. All right. I was fucking hammered at that shoot. <laughs> like I remember, yo. I'm like, yo, um, like this, this is dope, bro. Uh, and that time, like, I was still like, 
like learning and stuff and i was very shy again i wouldn't even talk to you guys i was like super shy yeah i don't even think we spoke that whole shoot yeah yeah i, I did not like, i was it was just too hard for me to even just talk to people like i just couldn't and then like um i remember after that like it was funny because i was like yo like during that show i was like yo, i could do this like i was looking at it because i was like looking at the video guys making the video i'm like yo i can do this i, I could probably do a better job right but like i was thinking like like i'm telling myself i could do a better job because i'm like yo i know i can like make some banger visuals like i know right i just need an opportunity somehow but then or whatever i keep going keep going and time comes that as like obviously me and noise started getting a better relationship and then from there um the sickness project came and it was exciting because it was like it was something new and uh something i haven't done before and it was just kind of like you know like experimenting and just having fun with it and like even on the shoot of the sickness like it was like something so different for me and like i'm pretty sure apoc could touch upon it too is like like i've never been a part of something where it's like you have a bunch of pe- bunch of photographers there right and we're just yeah, yeah, yeah. having fun it doesn't even feel like we're doing a music video it just ha- it felt like we're just having a good time and like that's what i used to shoot a lot of the time too like i'll just kind of just go out with jyoti and just shoot and want to make videos and stuff so it just kind of felt very natural right to just shoot and just have a good time and like to be honest i didn't think the video was going to be as good as i thought i just kind of just had fun with it experimented and like as like dusty would be doing something like i was learning off of dusty's energy too like i'm like yo this guy is like doing some next shit right i'm like yo guys like doing the next angles like yo right so i'm like yo ek dum banda re mai yo yo dusty got some gunde angles bro i'm just like yo all right i'm going to experiment too because i see him experimenting Yeah I saw Dusty doing his things I was like yo who is this guy I'm like yo this guy's actually I'm like he's crazy cuz I saw one of some of his shots I'm like yo this guy's insane <laughs> and I still think he's insane man I think he's ridiculous bro he's very very he's a very good photographer he's one of the best ones that I know probably the best one Yeah it, it just reminds me of this one uh quote from Quest Love where he's like the only people in my circle are people I can learn from No bad And I feel like with like with Dusty and with you guys and with Magic and just like just like this network we've been able to build there's always this constant flow and exchange of energy and I think like that's the most important aspect to a team is like obviously everyone working towards the same goal but at the same time people willing to share information and share knowledge. Right, yeah, yeah. The first time you kind of like like even in that time like I wasn't again like being very shy I didn't really have too many friends in the creative field like like i did have some friends but like again it was just more like the wedding stuff and like a couple of my friends and then like in that time i'm like yo i'm learning like just from the sickness shoot itself like i learned so much i feel like from the beginning of the day from the end to the end of the day like at by the end of the day i was like yo i feel like i'm so much better already like, yeah. I, feel like i learned so much so it was like just being around that kind of energy man like because i feel like there's something about having so much creative energy around you it's like even if you're an artist right you're a musician right even if you just play instruments and like you're you're a filmmaker you can learn things from each one another right even if it doesn't directly relate you can learn things and like just being around that those kind of people it really helps man i think the crazy thing about videos is like when you make a video like you go back to the footage so many times and go through the video eventually it's just like whatever to you it's like you've seen it so many times and you have to be very particular with some of the details So when you release it you're just like yo it's whatever right it is what it is but then the people outside they get to see it for the first time and they're like yo it's either it's crazy or they're like yo it's whatever 
So it's, like, it's, it's kind it's, of a shock, man. It's a shock. It's, it's a little bit of that thing. It's a, it's the same thing that we kind of have with music. It's, it's when you sit with something for so long, perfecting it, you yeah. tend to just, it loses its oomph that it had at the starting, right? But mm. then that kicks right back in once you've released it, because now you're, you're experiencing the song for the first time with all these people again, right? For yeah. you guys, it would be obviously the visuals, right? So now you're, you're, it becomes new again. So then that's why we always love whenever we're releasing stuff, because it's like, finally, it has a life of its own again now, right? Yeah, so, so after, you know, doing the music thing with Lo-Fi, uh, you pivoted to work on a, a different type of project. You work on a documentary entitled Uproar. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what Uproar is about and how you got involved in the in the filming of that? Um, so that movie was... Um, so Steven, my uh, co-producer and director on that project, so shout out to Steven. Yeah, shout out to Steven. Yeah, man. So he approached me... Uh, I didn't even know him, but he knew me through Jyoti. So um, we met up and we kind of just... He discussed his idea of making a documentary on Bill 21. And uh, I feel like even that moment was really eye-opening for myself because like, because we're from Brampton, we don't know what's happening outside of our own city. It's like, I can walk down the street and nothing's going to happen to me, right? No one's going to be racist towards me. I'm in Brampton, bro. Like, every looks like me, right? So it's like, yo, you see, Sang's every corner, Bob Bay every corner. You feel like you're in your own city, right? So, and like growing up in that, you face probably the most minimal amount of racism, right? Especially growing up with your own people. So it's like, yo, like, not really knowing how it feels. And like, with the Bill 21 stuff, obviously the bill is stated in... um, uh, Quebec, which doesn't allow people wearing any religious symbol to uh, take part in any position of power. So either that be police officer, a judge, and now it's affecting nurses as well, and like, doctors and stuff like that, to even take part. I, like, I can't be a police officer in Quebec if I wanted to, just because I have a bug and I have a beard, right? And so that was kind of like, I, didn't, I wasn't too aware of it at the time. You, you kind of just like, because we're like, like this ignorance in ourselves like being blessed to be in a city like Brampton not facing that you kind of just don't pay too much attention to those things but then being approached by Stephen about that you know it kind of hit me differently I was like you know what we should make a project of this and just kind of explore it so we kind of worked on the the behind the scenes of it we kind of worked on like drafting the project thinking more ideas and then um eventually started the project and like so the, the, the uproar project goes into Bill 21 and its effect in the community and its effect in history. So we, we spoke to people in Montreal. We actually traveled to Montreal, Quebec, and talked to people in the community, talked to the people that are directly affected, talked to the families affected. Um, then also we flew out to BC, where the story's not 100% based on Amrit Gore. Amrit Gore is a, a, a te- she was a student in, uh, in Quebec trying to be a teacher and she actually graduated on the day the bill passed so she's not able to be a teacher you're not you can't be a teacher with the religious symbols so um she moved to bc to get a job so we followed her as well we went to bc and talked to her and we also talked to people that have been through this in history like both they sent to the police officer who was who, who who went through the same thing in the 90s like the early 90s um where he couldn't be the first sick uh, turban police officer in rcmp because of his case and um, his bug and his body, right? So we spoke to him, just, you know, tying it all together and how we fought this, tell a story of resilience and be like, you know what, as much as this is affecting us, we 
kind of need to tell a story of how this doesn't these people being in these positions of powers it's not going to be influenced from their religion if anything these religions and these beliefs that they believe in they actually enforce them to do a better job right and then um yeah that's so briefly what the project's about um and uh, yeah talking to people like you mentioned Amrit Gore and you know the former RCMP officers i guess what was that process like was it like did you find yourself gaining a lot of new information or just kind of understanding our position in Canadian society or like what what was your main takeaway from that process I feel like it was a project that really opened my eyes man like it was like again like being from the Brampton man like you don't really deal with this kind of stuff and like you can see it in our communities our communities aren't really affected right like you can talk about Bill 21 there'll be a select amount of people that'll actually fight for and they'll stand for it, but majority of the people they'll just go from one year to the other right because we're blessed right we're we're chilling here and then just really talking to people it give it give you a lot of information and you learn a lot man you learn a lot you see that you know we might be blessed out here but in Quebec man like if I was trying to go to school on the subway who knows who will be saying racist things like we talk to like some of our friends there they're like yo like every week at least once someone will say some racist remark just on a subway yeah yeah well, one of well, what do they do right just because of the way they look and their beliefs and like you kind of learn man you learn so much that you know it's this is like you learn and like you kind of find power in that man you find power and these people actually fought that and they didn't back down and you see in history even our community man we don't back down man we fight we fight till we win so it's like it, 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 you learn a lot man and it's like more of a just sit back and just learn right and like you just do your best job to kind of do this project like for me I was like how am I supposed to create this film if I haven't been through it right so it's actually just putting yourself in their shoes right and just learning more it's a learning experience more than anything right it's learning and just kind of digesting all the information they tell you and just taking parts of their story and kind of applying it back in your life man. Yeah, it's it's good to it's good that you always uh you always follow your heart and and uh with the things that you're passionate about and it translates well whenever you use your art to tell those stories. So uh I just wanted to tell you that yo we're proud of you for doing stuff like that. And uh but what what were some of uh the difficulties you may have faced in a transition of now going from from something like a music video to now figuring out how to how to visually make a documentary and also make it appealing and stuff like that not only record a bunch of stuff where it may not necessarily be visually stimulating but you but but there's a stimulating story that goes behind it again man very big learning process i feel like i never worked on a project this big and it's it's so different i've never worked on something like this before and like even my co-producer never worked on a project like this before and he's doing more of the behind the scenes stuff so it's like he's doing more of like you know getting the connections through getting people to connect with one another he's doing all that stuff and whereas i'm working on more okay how am i going to edit this and make it actually appealing how is someone going to sit here for 30 minutes and watch this and have full attention and i don't want people watch it 5 minutes and start getting bored it's it's an experiment and i'm still going through it it's still like learning kind of figuring it out like yo it, it at points the project got very stressful it's like yo i don't even know what i'm doing at this point like i have no clue what i'm doing i don't even know if this is going to be a good movie or is this even going to be a proper movie right so it's kind of just learning man as you go again like the same mentality that we had going to sickness and the like, vibe shoot man you just have to put yourself in the moment and just learn and experiment 
you might fail at a certain thing, but it's like, yo, you learned something from that. You needed to learn it, right? So it's like, just experiment, man, experiment and try new things and just figure it out. Yeah, I think that's another thing about uh, like us is that we're not we're not like any experts in our field. Like the way that we learn is we just go in and we just dive in and just try to experiment. So, well, like especially, I hope that people know when they see our work is that we're not like fucking we're not out here or where we've went through school and we like we were so confident going into a project that yo we're gonna hundred percent rip it really sometimes we just go in and we're like yo let's just rip it let's just see what happens right <laughs> and i think that a lot of people who are getting into the arts uh, should take that take that approach right just uh just re- recognize that you know sometimes you're not going to know everything and you just have to go in and just try to learn as much as you can yeah that's a, that's one of the biggest uh, lessons we try to give on this podcast without being too preachy preachy yeah. is that yo it's uh, at any point in your life it's never too late to to do whatever you want to do creatively even if it's not in the creative arts nothing should stop you from doing what you want to do or something that you have a admiration or passionate uh, or that you're passionate about yeah you might maybe our goals might be different you know, like, uh, like I remember back in the day, I used to make funny little videos on, on uh, Windows Movie Maker and stuff like yeah. that. But, like, I never ended up going down that route. But it never stopped me from trying, you mm. know, like, and, and, and from, from doing those things is, is where we find the likes of the Revive Films who, who stumble upon something that can become a career for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, yeah. that's that's the biggest thing is just if you want to if you want to try something, there's no harm in trying it. And that's how you learn. Like if you want to if, if you actually want to do something like I mean, I went into video. I didn't know if I was actually going to like continue or like go full force in it. And even today, like I'm not 100 percent in it, like because I still have a nine to five job and I'm doing this more on the side, like whenever I get time. I try to put in whatever effort I can. So, yeah, definitely encourage people to just try, just try different stuff out. Like, if you really, if you know you want to be artistic, try different things in, within art or even within the same genre of art in video. There's so many things that you could do, even in music. There's, it's like endless. You could do so many things with just music, right? So just try out, be unique, be tell your own story. I think uh, that's a unique thing about a revive is that we have our own story and. We try to uh, put that out to the public just through our, our art and even just coming on to this, to this podcast and telling people about our story is, is probably not a story that's like many others. Thank you guys so much for, for coming on and sharing your story, sharing your experiences. Um, I think we are going to, to wrap up, but just before we finish, we like to end every episode with everybody on the show naming one thing that they're grateful for. It could be a person, it could be an object, it could be somebody you don't even personally know, but just somebody that you want to honor, somebody that you want to give them their flowers while they're still here. Yo, right before we do this, just because I had one question that I just saved till the end, but yeah. yo, um, do you have any like fond ma- memories of Sony Pablo? Because yo, Sony Pablo is the man, right? <laughs> and also, I just wanted to know, like, how did your dad feel when he passed away and stuff like that? Just, just before we uh, get to this. Uh, fond memories, man. Like, uh, like I remember, like again, my dad used to sing and stuff like that. And Sony, obviously, very talented, right? Like, yeah. he would come up, man. Like, big talent. Like, 
like I know every guy can relate when you're a young kid and you see someone older than you like a like especially like a male figure you always look up to them either if it's like a bigger brother or like a cha-cha or something there's always someone that you're always like oh man like I love this person right <laughs> you love and you see that with like younger cousins now like I see that with like my younger cousin now like they look at me like as if some next like bunda right it's like you they really look up to you and like it was one of those where it was like, yo, I was like the biggest fan. I was like, yo. And like, he would come over to my house and like my dad and him would just kind of like work on music together. Like my dad would be on the harmonium or something and they would just kind of work together and like just, you know, have like a music session. So like those music sessions, man, especially those like when I was like kind of like, like one of the biggest fan. I was just sitting there and just kind of admiring those times. And these are times before like Sony Ball was anything, man. He was just a regular guy. Like he didn't really have too much music. He was still struggling. He was, he was going through the immigrant hustle, man. He was working, he was grinding and supporting his art at the same time and a family, right? So I remember him, man. And like, I got a cool story too, because like uh, even when he passed away, it was hard, man. Because like, like I was in grade five and like, you kind of have this person that you look up to so much and you like that was probably the first like that was the first death that i kind of had to like come to terms with it was like death like what is death right it kind of just hits you and it's at a very young age grade five so i'm like yo i don't really understand it so just kind of coming to terms with that as a shock right um and like even my dad like it was a shock to him too because it's like yo it's kind of like your younger brother right and um it was hard man like especially for like the like Music wise, you like the thing that hurts you the most is like yo, the Keely's behind a family and all that. You 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 deal with that stuff, but at the same time, it's like you guys feel it with anyone that has so much talent. Like, what could have they been, right? Yeah. He released that one album and it was like a banger, bro. And like you can tell, this guy was on his way. Like he was on his way to do some big things, right? And just like that, it just hurts you, man. It's just like yo, man, there's so much potential there, and like it just gone too soon. And like even like when he used to come over um to play music my uh they used to sit on this bench so like there's like this bench press that we have like, but the, just the bench portion my dad kept it as like a computer chair we didn't have a chair so he kept this bench in front of the table right so you could just sit on it and my dad and him Sony used to sit on that bench all the time and uh, just play music and all that and we still have that bench today and my dad tells me how he's like this bench was almost broken but i fixed it because this is the only thing i know that he sat on so like, that's crazy right? it's just a bench right but like the fact that he has a memory of them sitting on it together it's crazy that we still have the bench to this day. So, you know, it's hard and you kind of come to grips to it. But, um, man, it was, it was definitely a very big uh, moment to learn for me. And, like, obviously it was a hard hit for his family. And, like, even my dad felt it, man. Like, that was the first time when I went to a funeral, like, saw my dad cry. Like, I was like, what? Like, you know, like, it's weird. It's like, yo, you mm. see parents crying. It's like, it hits you different, man. It's like, yo, why are they crying? It's like, you know? So it was, it was something, man. It was a... Uh, you know? Yeah, thank you for sharing that, man. No worries, man. All right, who wants to start it off? What are you guys grateful for? Hey, Poco, yeah, first. Yo, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just grateful to be alive, man. That's it. Oh, for real. The fact that I'm breathing, that I have all my limbs, my my body, I'm healthy mentally, physically. I think that's the most important thing. Unfortunately, some people do have aren't very uh, healthy emotionally and, and physically and they can't pursue what they want to do in life because they have those things holding them back. So I'm just fortunate about that, man. Yeah, man, same thing, man. Uh, thankful for life, man. Thankful for family and friends. And that's about it, man. For me, it's like, yo, if you have these few things in life, where life is good for us, man. So it's like, yo, like, 
you kind of just sit back and think of the moment and be like, yo, you know what? We're given everything, man. Like, I'm thankful for family, man, for allowing that to happen, right? Allowing me to kind of do what I want, like go after a dream of in the arts and like creating a business and not having any stresses of having to feed a family, you know, whereas your family already worked and sacrificed all that. So thankful for family for sacrificing for us to be able to do what we want, whereas they couldn't. And just life in general, man, we're breathing, we're living and live every moment, man. Um, I want to, I'm, I'm thankful for creative partnerships. You know, we, we talked mm. about that quite a bit on this show. Um, I have a lot of great people that I've been able to work with. Uh, for example, like Magic, you and me, we've done a lot of work together. Obviously, Revive with you guys, it's been a great partnership. You know, working with other artists as well. Like I've done projects with people like MC Foob, uh, Selena Delon, Dusty Loops, like so many different people that, you know, I feel like there's something beautiful about when two people or a group of people can get on the same wavelength together and push together towards the same end goal and then kind of celebrate the, the the highs of it and kind of live with the failures of it together. And I feel like there's just something really, something really special about that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm grateful for all the people I've got to connect with um, creatively and, you know, build, build friendships and build partnerships with. What am I thankful for? Um, I don't know if I've done it yet, but I'm thankful for the new and improved Combo Studios, man. Uh, <laughs> I I put it in my mind. I really wanted to create a studio, a place that I could record. It was always a dream of mine. Uh, as Noise knows, we've cr- created many uh, temporary studios in this house, in every corner of this house. Uh, we've recorded. Uh, the likes of Humble has recorded. We did a big Believe Me music mixtape in this basement once upon a time and um yeah like we've we found the beauty in in recording wherever uh but uh finally uh i've uh i've you know invested in myself and i've created a a a space where not only the podcast can live but my music can live and anybody who's within my circles music can live so you know uh it was the it was the first step of many steps that needed to happen but you know it took a while for me to do it but i'm just happy at the outcome and it happened at this time for a reason so now i'm just looking forward for the quarantine to end so i can have the likes of uh, all you guys around here and we can continue to create spaces for us to to feel free to express ourselves so i'm thankful for that today yo i think that's so important having like a good environment especially for uh, creating art, man. Like, I'm cleaning up my room now. So I got to freaking clean up, put everything in order, because, yo, if everything is messy, then I just can't vibe with, like, the environment. For sure, man. Like, even shout-out to uh, Dusty's Basement. We've all been there. You 100%. guys know how much of a yeah. vibe that is, uh, you know? And it's it's just as important, uh, uh, you know, to, to have a good atmosphere, but also to have good people. That's what ultimately creates that atmosphere. Right. And we, yeah, we've been blessed to to spend a lot of time together in those atmospheres. And, you know, it's dope, man. And 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 that that is ultimately those interactions is what inspired me to do this. So yeah, hopefully yeah. this oh, will <laughs> this will be a hub for many more things to come, boys. Dope, dope, dope. Yeah. So just just before we wrap up, where can people connect with you guys uh, on social media or website? Any in, any info you want to share? Uh, so you can follow Revive Films on uh, Instagram. Our Revive Films. Uh, we also have our YouTube channel where we try to upload weekly. Um, at 
also Revive Films, so youtube.com slash Revive Films. We have our website, revivefilm.ca as well. Um, those are the main places where you can reach out at us. Um, and then personal Instagram-wise, you can see some of my personal work at Films by Amrith on Instagram. Yeah, for me, it's uh, Apal Sidhu, A-P-A-L-S-I-D-H-U on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. So if anyone wants to reach out, reach out. That's where I got my personal work. So thank you guys so much, man. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for having yo, me. Yo, man. Thank you guys so much for coming on. And yo, I'm uh, I look forward to anything you guys do in the future, and I look forward to uh, collaborating with you guys in the future as well. We have a music video that needs to happen, bro. <laughs> yo, man. There, there's a lot of things that need to happen. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, it will happen soon, guys. Oh, man. Thanks, man. This has been another episode of the Immigrant Hustle Podcast. Okay.